Welcome back, guys, to another episode of On The Back Bar, joined by me, Christopher Menning, and today's guest joining us is Ali Reynolds. Ali is the whiskey ambassador for Johnny Walker, as well as just launching his new podcast, which is called The Middle Cut. Today we talk about The Middle Cut, Uh, we also talk about his balanced drinks Instagram page, which I really think you should check out, and also about his role in the whiskey world. Now, some of you may think, why am I promoting another podcast? Well, to be honest, A, it's a little bit different from mine, and B, I think as creators, this is what we're meant to do. Sharing and caring is is why we're here, you know, this information I create is for everyone, and there are some amazing podcasts out there who do somewhat similar, but also different. So I think being part of this community and being able to support each other is important. Ali's whiskey podcast is brilliant and the first two episodes he had were on Ayla and Kaila. Some of you may be confused because obviously we were meant to have a show last Friday which is the crossover podcast episode about myself and about talk tales with Shana but there's been a little bit delay on that. It is coming this week so stay tuned you're gonna love it and also the show should be sounding a lot better soon because I'm going to be outsourcing a lot of the editing and tech stuff. Uh, Believe it or not, it's actually very hard to do and it usually takes me over half a day. So I think finding a professional to do it is going to make the show sound so much better. It gives me more time to talk and promote. And that's pretty much it. Obviously, this is a self-funded program. Everything from the show to Gastronomer Lifestyle website is all paid for by me. And I'm happy to do that because it means I get to create great content and give it to you guys. Uh, If you do want to support me, which would be great, please head over to Patreon uh, where you can do a small monthly donation. And that basically goes straight into the pot to making the show better um, because it is costly. And yeah. Or you could even head over to Gastronomer Lifestyle, head over to the resources page and you can buy me a coffee just to say thanks. And that would mean the world to me. (laughs) So without further ado, let's stop digressing with Chris and let's head over and listen to Ali Reynolds on the Bad Bar Podcast. Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Menning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the Back Bar. This is Christopher Menning. Ali, how are you, man? Thank you so much for joining us on the Bat Bar today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really good. Good. And what's it like over in Scotland currently? Um, it's very good. The weather is lovely. Um, we've, yeah, been quite lucky like that. Um, but it's nice to be up in Edinburgh now. It's just a shame it's um, quite quiet at the moment. And there's no festival this year for the first time in God knows how long. So it's a bit of a shame because we're, we're right in the heart of the city here. 
Yeah, of course. Well, like I said, thank you very much for joining us on the show. We've got a lot to talk about today, uh, especially in regards to your new podcast, uh, which has mm-hmm. launched The Middle Cut. But it'd be really good for our audience to really listen about who you are and sort of your backgrounds in the world of whiskey and in the world of bartending. I started bartending like a lot of people when I was at university um, or just just finished high school, I guess, and uh, trying to make ends meet. The um, I kind of carried on. I was uh, managing a bar in um, Bristol, and I kind of then fell into it from there, from from Nottingham to Bristol, over, and then I moved to London, and I started working for a famous chef in London, um, running opening his very first uh, venture, and we ran the bar there, uh, myself and a, a guy called Gareth Evans. Um, I left that company. Um, and I joined Hawksmoor and Hawksmoor are a steak restaurant who have restaurants up and down the UK and have recently or were in the process of opening in in New York. Um, So that was it really and then um, I guess the the big highlights of my career I've always been quite into doing these cocktail competitions and I always encourage people who worked with me or who work for me in bars to do them because it's just a great way to meet people and it's a great way to improve your skill. It's great for networking um, and, you, and you, you have a great time. And I, th- I think I've been quite lucky in the, in the sense that I've got to see a lot of the world through trips with brands and through competitions. And it was always amazing to me. Like when I first started, I actually... The first competition I ever entered, I actually, I won, um, mainly because Gareth Evans, from <laughs> Leeds, had told me a few tips on how to win a cocktail competition. So I entered that and it was a cognac uh, competition. We ended up going to France and I was blown away, like as a, a young bartender. I was mm-hmm. like, what? You get to go on these trips if you make a nice drink. So that was it. It became a bit addictive. Um, I didn't win many more after that for a while, but then world class was quite a highlight, and that was towards the end of my bartending career, I guess, mm. um, which was in Cape Town in South Africa and the, the global finals. And world class still to this day is, is the biggest of all the bartending competitions. So it was a real honour to be part of that um, and represent your country on the global stage. Um, I didn't win. I finished fourth. Um, Still good. (laughs) Yeah, good. I mean, if there was a pedestal, I'd be the first one not to be on it. But um, (laughs) fourth is terrible. Yeah. (laughs) I was was very pleased with my my achievements. Yeah. Good. And you currently are the whiskey ambassador for Johnny Walker. When did your love for whiskey kind of uh, develop? I always, I mean, I was talking to someone about this the other day, actually, and um, I think it was actually one of the, the blenders from Johnny Walker, but we were talking about how palettes develop over time and how you get used to certain things and you need a certain amount of exposure to different flavours. And I always, I always used to love rum and at a point American whiskey. I really, I don't like American whiskey so much anymore. And I find it one of the hardest spirits to use in drinks actually. But I think my love of scotch was always there. I never really got into it because an early point because I was so you know it was quite a daunting topic there was all these weird names and the process of how it was made and all these rules and the SWA and everything else so I kind of thought I I guess I kind of think the my love of whiskey kind of came in I I guess six 
maybe six years ago when I start, really started working with whiskey in restaurants and, and getting into it and seeing other people appreciate it. Um, I've been in this in the Johnny Walker role for for four years now, and it's been a, it's a great brand to explore whiskey through um, because Diageo have such an amazing portfolio of whiskey. It's I'm kind of like a kid in a sweet shop. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm very jealous. I mean, what what does a normal sort of I guess working day as a whiskey ambassador for Johnny Walker entail? Um, at the moment, it's just being in the house, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It used to be, um, you know, working with some of the best bars, restaurants, nightclubs um, in London, which is where I was based. Um, there's a lot of education around whiskey and, and getting people to really relax around the topic, explore the flavours. I think Johnny Walker's part over the last year has been very much enjoy the whiskey for the flavours within it. You know, we, we were kind of moving away from talking about blending whiskey and, and you know, this kind of straight up or or with a couple of drops of water kind of vibe and we we really moved into the these highballs and looking at different flavors and i don't know if you saw any of the johnny walker pop-up bars but mm. all the drinks were named after a certain flavor whether it be peach elderflower you know and the, the whole conversation becomes less about scotch and becomes more about flavor which i think is really important at the moment yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, one of the things about whiskey is that there, there is so much diversity in terms of flavor, and it really comes down to where the whiskey is produced. And mm. I guess a lot of it, your love of whiskey and being the ambassador, is what led you to be the host of The Middle Cut. So can you, for the audience, tell us about The Middle Cut, this new podcast we should be listening to? Yeah, this. Uh, thank you for that. Um, no I guess the uh, the idea was that we wanted something out there to just have a conversation around whiskey, but talk about the people that make it, the place where it's made, and what kind of makes that particular whiskey special. Because this idea was originally born that we could do 28 episodes, because Diageo owned 28 single malt distilleries. Mm -hmm. And we could do 28 episodes, one on each. We could have a special guest on. And basically, it's myself and my my colleague, Colin, um, Colin Dunn, who's kind of our master of whiskey over at Diageo. He's, he's worked at more places than I care to name. He's, you know, he's been in this whiskey business for, for 25 years now, maybe, maybe longer. Um, he's worked for, you know, brands like Bowmore. He's worked in Japanese whiskey. He knows whiskey through and through. And he's, he's also a great storyteller. And I, I learned quite a lot from him. So it's nice to kind of co-host this podcast with him and all we do is is kind of cover a distillery each week and that was the idea so people would have a story to tell they could listen um to one of these podcasts on any of the single mocks that we have and then they could go and share the same stories with their friends because as, as colin will tell you whiskey isn't about really the liquid in the bottle it's about the occasion on how you're drinking it, who you're sharing it with, you know, every, each, every whiskey's a story. And I think that's uh, quite a nice sentiment uh, from him. You know, there are some obviously amazing liquids out there, but it's, it's the ones where you really remember where you were when you tried it that kind of stand out more than anything. Yeah, for sure. And you, you've done two episodes so far. You've done Talisker and Kaila. Kaila uh, being one of my favorites, actually. I, I was mm. listening to the first episode, and uh, we'll, we'll tap into Isla whiskies, but Colin says um, Isla whiskey is like an assault on the senses with the three P's, uh, powerful, pungent, and peaty. 
And uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Why did you decide to start with uh, the Isla whiskies? It was it was just by chance actually, and we um, we there's been a virtual online uh, Fejil, the Isla Festival. Um, so we've had to do that online. Obviously, it's been it's been cancelled this year with travel restrictions. Mm. So we hosted um, we did Lagavulin first on the on the festival online on Facebook, um, and then we did Kalila. We we're trying to coincide it with that. Uh, really, but I don't know why we picked Kalila to start with. Mm. I can't remember. But at the end of each episode, we we flip a coin and and decide whether we're going to let the listeners know where we're going next. And we've kind of got this running order, which is very dependent on <laughs> uh, whether we can get guests on at the right time mm-hmm. and also whether it fits into the kind of story. So, I guess spoiler alert if this will come out before ours. But we're we're, we're kind of splitting the likes of pine leash into two parts just because we've got Brora to cover it's one of our favorite distilleries as well so okay it, it depends who we can get on it um and the other thing is the, the i guess the main reason we wanted to do this was because there's some distilleries out there that are, are pretty much just making whiskey to go into johnny walker and go mm. into blend you know and, and distilleries people would maybe never have heard of the likes of Orthrus, dal ewan you know um glenn elgin ones that really don't get a, a big shout out which maybe should mm-hmm. um it's kind of nice to get, give those guys some love as well you must have visited the majority of the distilleries uh, in scotland and i'm very jealous because i've never had the chance to make it there yet but what's one of your favorite distilleries to tour or visit um i've visited yeah i've visited quite a few actually the i guess um i guess three of my favorites Lagavulin I really liked just because it, it kind of it seems like it's separated into the right parts and it's it's kind of nice to walk around you're right on the water and you've got this sense of really being in Isla I think at Lagavulin you've got the the little pier that goes out you can enjoy whiskey on the on the pier you've got a wonderful tasting room with some fantastic whiskies in not just Lagavulin but some amazing expressions of Port Ellen and other um distilleries from uh from isla uh so lagavulin was really nice um a, a really big slick operation but felt so quaint at the same time and we made bits in there at, at the isla festival so we were making like smoky cokies you know lagavulin and coca-cola and um and people were really enjoying it and it was quite funny to see see that um glenfiddich i really liked just for the sheer size of it and how how beautiful that distillery is um that that place is unbelievable and klein leash and i think mainly because of the drive up there it's right on the northeast coast of scotland and it's just a beautiful drive as you go up the road and then turn in but klein leash is is what i think pound for pound my favorite whiskey in the world um, okay for what, what you get for the price i think klein leash 14 is is such a great dram hmm. and, and do you think that whiskey culture has changed over the last couple of years, um, yeah, I think I think we're seeing a younger um, drinker come into whiskey. People are getting a, are becoming a lot more concerned of where a product is coming from, how it's made, and I guess in the UK we're seeing a younger drinker, and I guess more importantly, uh, more female drinkers coming into the category. Because mm. for a long time it was aimed at it was aimed at men, and it was this after dinner drink that was just neat spirits and it was that's the way we were told to drink it um you know 
don't mix it with anything don't mess around with it it's it's perfection as it is but i think you know drinking is an experience you've got to you've obviously got to enjoy it enjoy what you're having and i think the um i think it's nice to see the times change a little bit um you know not not drastically and someone made the reference the other day kind of like cds replacing vinyl and online music replacing cds and okay yeah. you know not, not forever and not entirely but i think it's quite a nice thing to see you know we'll mix whiskey mix it however you want but always you know i'd always recommend trying it neat first but then do what you want with it it's up to you i think yeah what, what are some of the ways you mix your whiskey or would you recommend people to mix well i think you know working working within whiskey you, your palate does change and you become you i think every time you try something you, your brain is building up new pathways for that experience every time and i think you you slowly become used to certain flavors you you know your brain convinces you they, they taste a certain way and if you don't enjoy that, then that's fine. But I think I've started mixing whiskey more as, as highballs. Um, I've never really been one for Manhattan style drinks with whiskey. Uh, I don't mind an old fashioned, but if I was to drink scotch, say in a, on a sunny evening or, or pre, pre-dinner, I quite like having a highball. So whether it's Johnny Walker Black and ginger ale or... Glen Elgin and soda, which I'm yet to find a better whiskey that mixes with soda. Um, <laughs> maybe says something about uh, my, my uh, experimental drinking habits, but I think um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't found another whiskey yet out of the hundred odd uh, distilleries up in Scotland that mixes better than Glen Elgin. I don't know okay. what it is about, but yeah. I'll have to give it a try for sure. Yeah. So what are, what are Johnny Walker doing uh, this year with current situations? Obviously things are a bit different, but Johnny Walker being such a powerhouse in the game, is there anything they're working on right now to help the community? Yeah, we, we ha- we've done a bit. Um, there's been, I mean, we had a big project starting that was meant to start at the end of this year, which was the opening of Johnny Walker Princess Street right in the middle of Edinburgh. Um, and we had uh, plans to open a, five, six-story uh, house in the old House of Fraser building, which would wow. have been dedicated to Scotch whiskey, um, Johnny Walker's journey. There, there was two bars planned to go in. Um, this was a huge project for Diageo, and obviously that's been pushed back. Um, I, don't, I don't have a specific date, obviously, for when it will open next year, but that was to open at the end of this year. You know, this is a £150 million project that they've been working on, so it's it's it, it's set to be something absolutely amazing. It's a shame it didn't happen this year because this was going to be our, this is our two hundredth anniversary. Oh. Um, but um, there's been support for the um, Edinburgh Festival. There's money going into that, um, and Diageo as a whole have have um, donated quite a lot of money to charities for hospitality and, and bartenders all over the world. So. Yeah, it's it's been it's been nice to see everyone kind of coming together um, and helping where they can. We've been tasked with creating video content and trainings and online tastings um, for people as well. So we're kind of lucky still to be be working. And I feel like as a brand ambassador, this is um, I've been actually f- fairly busy at home doing all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'd rather be out seeing people you know, working behind their bars and, and making amazing drinks and doing what they, they love doing. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a real shame all this is going on at the moment. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, I've actually, I think probably the same as you, I've been really busy. Even though I'm at home, I just feel like I'm constantly doing stuff now. And the whole world has moved to digital. Uh, digital content is a big thing. And there's lots of uh, new YouTube content and videos. And you mentioned you were doing uh, video masterclasses and tastings. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. We've, we've been doing... Um... We've been doing a lot of um, online content for some of our kind of internal in, uh, structure, our our kind of colleagues, because um, obviously they're out there selling brands into restaurants and bars, and this is a good time to get everyone's training up to speed and make sure everyone knows about each brand and get people, you know, kind of excited about each brand. Um, and then externally, we've been hosting uh, things like whiskey clubs. Um, I kind of want to do a shout out for... Dan Bovey, who runs a bar in Bristol called Hyde & Co. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he has an amazing uh, whiskey club called The Dusties, and he, he searches out vintage bottling or um, a range of whiskeys that people can, you know, come down to the bar and have someone from that brand talk them through and tell some stories. Um, Colin did one for Kalila, and Dan had managed to collect, I think, seven expressions of the fagile uh, bottlings which are really hard to get hold of you know that some of these are only 2,000 bottles a year um, but he managed to get seven of them and Colin did a tasting of that all, wow. all different leelas and it kind of makes you ask the question whether there's actually a vintage to whiskey but um, <laughs> yeah. not to go into that too much um, but the uh, Dan at the Dusties has done some stuff and we we did a flora and fauna tasting online and he posted out uh, drams to everyone. I'm not sure how much the the tickets were or the, the packet pack was, but um, it was amazing to see 30 odd people on this call, you know, and, and talking to them and they all were enjoying the same whiskey. I find it quite hard at the moment if I'm the only one with the whiskey and everyone's just listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel bad, but yeah, this was really good and, and fair play to Dan getting all these um, amazing packs sent out to people so they could actually enjoy the whiskey you know that we had a father and son on who were there in the same room um and it was really nice to see that and we myself and colin actually hosted that and took people through uh five different distilleries which was great wow okay well i'll definitely check that out and uh, see what else they're gonna be making uh, what other content are you watching at the moment there's hospo live um mm. which facebook um and whiskey wonderland which is on instagram which is run by um, a guy called Daryl Haldane um, and they're covering some amazing stuff in regards to whiskey but other brands as well and other other categories but um, they've been delving into some wonderful history they've been having a bit of fun um, talking about favorite whiskey bars around the world and and all sorts so they, those guys have been keeping the education and the entertainment up high um, I haven't had much time to kind of um, sit down and watch all this all this stuff because I've kind of been creating it on the other on the other side as well and and obviously family to look after and everything as well so yeah, yeah. you've got your hands full juggling yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um actually I'd be interesting to hear you mentioned about um favorite cocktail uh, whiskey bars sorry what are your mm. favorite whiskey bars around the world um favorite whiskey bars around the world would be I think I think my favorite would be the Baxter Inn in Sydney mm. um it's a bar that my younger brother worked at for quite some time. And I think it's one of the 
going over to Australia and seeing him, I think it was one of the best nights I'd ever had. You know, we, me and him sat at the bar. We had a, a few whiskeys from this this collection. I, I don't know if you've been, but anyone that has will will tell you, you know, it is a monster of a back bar. There must be nearly 2,000 bottles in there and they're all, they're all whiskey. Um, they have a small kind of alcove through the back and you can go and enjoy whiskey in there. Mm. They do great cocktails as well as like, you know, just fantastic service. But yeah, the guys are climbing up ladders to get to the back to get whiskeys down. It's, it's just a beautiful bar and situated right in the heart of Sydney. Um, Black Rock in London, in the, oh, yes. uh, in, in East London um, is such a great bar in terms of the way they look at whiskey. You know, they're very flavor led as well. They, I think they, they don't really care much about the, the name on the bottle. They obviously do, but I think, you know, they, they really look at the way that whiskey tastes in a highball as an old fashioned neat, you know, everything's divided by flavor and they've got that amazing tree um, down the middle, which has been turned into a table and they run a cocktail through the tree, which you can t- kind of tap off at the end. Um, that's a that's a fantastic whiskey bar, um, and I don't know where else. Hyde, in Piccadilly. Hyde. Oh yeah, yeah, I do know Hyde. Hmm. Not, not a whiskey bar per se, but a great way, great place to enjoy whiskey. You know, a really lovely, beautiful basement, all wood paneling, like this beautiful bar top and bar back bar. It's uh, yeah, incredible place to enjoy a whiskey, and they've got an amazing collection as well. Yeah, I, I know Hyde because. Uh, I used to work with Kieran McLaughlin, uh, restaurant manager at Gravetie, and he moved over there as general manager, so I do know it well. Um, talking about BlackRock, do you think that's where the conversation should be now, or where bars maybe should be going towards, focusing on flavour rather than the brand? And the uh, sort of experiential serving, you know? I think I think a lot of bars are already doing that. I think BlackRock were just the kind of first to dedicate it to whiskey. And I think as you know, the, the awards they've won is whiskey specialists or like a specialist bar focusing on one spirit you know they, they fully deserve that that accolade because they are really good at what they do around scotch they make it very accessible um the way they break it down into flavor but i think a lot of bars are you know it's becoming less about um you know brands and things like that i think it, it moved away from that a, a while ago um and i think flavor is really important i think Matt Wiley, who runs Scout, said it really well. You know, you're not going to see cocktail lists anymore. You're just going to see drinks lists. And I think by that, he means it's just going to be a collection of flavor-led drinks, whether they're high alcohol, low alcohol. It doesn't matter. People are there for a, you know, a flavor experience rather than, you know, I want brand X with such and such. Um, So, yeah. But I still think there's a big call for that. And I still think there's a, a, you know, if it's classic drinks, People prefer a certain brand. Um, you know, I, I love a Tanqueray London Dry Martini. And I again, it's, it's more that kind of thing. I'll definitely go after that brand if I'm going to have a martini because that's the way I like it. So there's, yeah, there's still a huge call for, for brands and people have allegiance and, and preferences. But um, yeah, in terms of cocktails, I think it's all about flavor now um, for sure. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And we're all looking forward to heading out back to the bars and supporting them, obviously, and trying out these new cocktails. But um, at the moment, we're all stuck at home. Uh, we're all trying to get through our own back bars. What, what are you making currently at the moment? I see you do some videos on your Instagram. What, <laughs> <laughs> what cocktails are you making? Um, cocktails, all sorts, really. Whatever's still kind of left in the in the house. And is, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit reluctant to buy uh, more products in and, and things, but um, yeah, trying to utilize. I think there's a there's a bottle of yellow chartreuse and some Benedictine and other bits hanging around, which are just about coming to their end. And <laughs> okay. kind of hard to keep, keep reimagining the same ingredient over and over again. But uh, a lot of I've been doing a lot of highballs um, and and trying to again push that idea of making whiskey accessible a lot of teas at the moment and there's a lot of different flavored syrups and infusions with teas going on and i think i think tea is one of those untapped ingredients in bars like i'm surprised there's not more bars that use a huge array of tea i just think it's such a great way to get um flavor into drink but um yeah i i've a lot of highballs um some of the uh um soft drink companies have been amazing and, and sent some incredible packs over to to try their soft drinks and use um, those in drinks because obviously they see you doing a lot of this stuff and they kind of want you to make sure that you've got their products as well and are testing those out because, you know, if you're just popping down the local supermarket, it's just a load of Schweppes on the shelves. <laughs> yeah, and true. Yeah, it's kind of nice to be, and some that I'd never even heard of. I had a pineapple soda the other day from Franklin and Sons, I think, mm. um, which was unbelievable. But yeah, there's been some amazing, amazing stuff that I just, you know, I've, I've seen over this time. Okay. But I never knew out there, but yeah. Tell me more about the tea. Um, how are you making, what, what are you doing with the tea to, to add it to cocktails? The teas? Yeah. Um, either syrups, which is really easy. And I think for me, you know, everyone has tea in the house. It was just a, a nice way to um, add a, a flavoured syrup and an easy method to, you know, if you're making like a, a Tom Collins or something, it's a nice way to add another dimension um a flavor to the drink so either that or just a cold infusion earl grey and whiskey is scotch whiskey um yeah. in particular space like it's such a great combination just infusing that for half an hour at room temperature um a couple of tea bags bottle of whiskey just leave it be for a bit and it's amazing the flavor that can come out um and yeah i've been ma making that some Earl Grey infused whiskey with peach liqueur as an old fashioned. Nice. It's really simple and easy going. So that's been my, my go to uh, nightcap at the moment. Okay. I, I used to make a cold brew green tea uh, because I think there's some really lovely, uh, lovely light notes and really floral as well. Works well mm. with uh, things like vodka. What about, yeah. um, so, I mean, obviously a lot of your content is on Instagram. We can see you making the cocktails and also balanced drinks can you talk about that <laughs> i don't know anything about that it's <laughs> great <laughs> um balanced drinks was i had i'd been messing around in the kitchen and i thought it'd be a nice way for everyone to see because you list these ingredients on uh you know you've got a picture of a drink and then a list of ingredients and yeah. i think it's quite hard for some people to imagine sometimes um the idea was just to like balance balance a drink at home, obviously. And in, in, in the bartending world, you talk about 
a balanced drink, meaning all the flavors kind of work well together and it, it tastes good. Um, but I thought I'd take that to a, a, a third dimension, if it were, and just kind of balance everything on top of each other. So you definitely did take it to another level. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely uh, expensive bottles of things balancing on other things. Um, but yeah, it's it's been quite fun. It was it was started off as quite a bit of fun just to keep me busy in the kitchen and making less noise around the house. But um, I have I've only broken one thing so far. Okay, yeah, well, that's it, good. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, it's talking about balanced drinks and, and actually balancing the drink at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I thought I'd start a separate page for it because um, a lot of them were going up on my Ali.scotch page, which is, should be more whiskey-focused, I guess, and more work-related. But yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll put it in the show notes because it is really quite impressive, um, some Thank of the you. angles and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, brilliant. Um, okay, let, let's talk about whiskey again. We'll get back to the, the conversation around that and, and your podcast. Um, you must have tried some incredible drams in your lifetime and career. What's been one of the most memorable? Cool. That is a good question. I think um, there's one that stands out because um, we were working at Hawksmoor. Um, this, this is going back maybe six years and it was a, a Christmas and we had one of those whiskey advent calendars. I'm not sure if you've seen those, hmm. but um, I think they were from Master of Malt and you would get a different whiskey and it was a world whiskey one for each day, like an advent calendar. And basically what we did, whoever the, la- the person to finish last was or whoever was breaking down the bar would get that, get that whiskey. And I had worked up until the last day before we broke up for the Christmas holiday and everyone had gone and I was cashing up and I thought, oh, I'll, I may as well have number 24. And it was a uh, Glenn Farkless 40-year-old, which still to this day is one of the oh, best wow. whiskeys. And I don't know if it was because, oh, you know, it's Christmas and you're kind of finishing up, but it, it just was an incredible whiskey and very, very hard to get hold of now. And I can't believe it was in that, in that, that was calendar. A, that was a miniature in a calendar. Yeah, 20, I think 20 CL or 30, or sorry, 30, yeah, 30 mils. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was unbelievable. Um, the Kalila uh, Festival bottling from last year, trying that, that was a 22-year-old Kalila uh, finishing sherry-treated American oak, was unbelievable. Um, and uh, I think, probably a brewer of some description, but I think at one of my best friend's weddings, he had a bottle of Brewer 34 and we tried that and that was unbelievable. Um, and again, again, it's, it's about the story and the occasion. You know, you remember where you are when you try these things. I think if I, if I had just tried it at a tasting, it would have been lost in the, in all the, in all this kind of, in this world of tastings that we go to, but the fact that I can pinpoint the exact, date almost and the what I was doing with, with all of these um kind of makes the uh, the story true do you know what I mean yeah 100 percent well that's incredible um I mean as you may know any audience know I, I'm in Thailand currently Bangkok and right. Johnny Walker is very popular over here it, it's everywhere really and mm. I think the conversation that I mean the bar world has grown a lot in the last couple of years but I think there are still, there's maybe a bit of hesitation towards other whiskeys. 
or maybe how to drink it properly. So for the audience who are based in Thailand or in Asia, who are bartenders and want to maybe teach their audience or their customers, guests, how to drink whiskey, what would you recommend? Maybe some tips to, to open up that, that world. Um, I think for, for me, if it's people who don't normally drink scotch, it's, I, I would say it's probably best to try either a blended whiskey like Johnny Walker um, and try it with ginger ale or, or lemonade or, or whatever um, you feel comfortable with and just try and appreciate those flavours. But it is all about breaking down that flavour. Like the, I think the, the problem is, is that people who want to get into whiskey but have, haven't really tried it before are given whiskey by someone that knows it very well. And they're like, oh, try this. It's unbelievable. Like these flavours. And it's normally something quite aggressive and the, the spirit content's very high. You know, if you're looking at people that drink gin and tonics or, or spritzers or daiquiris most of the time when they're out, like they're certainly not going to really appreciate a straight up single malt at cast strength, um, particularly if it's heated as well. Smoke can be quite a divisive flavor for a lot of people. So um, I think Speyside whiskeys to start with, and, and don't be afraid to add a splash of water. Um, it brings out a lot more flavors um, within the whiskey and it can all, normally leave leave quite honeyed and, and fruity tastes um, coming out. So Speyside is a good region to start on because the, the whiskies tend to be a lot more kind of palatable and, and flavors that we associate with um, everyday life, like honeyed sweetness and, and fresh fruit. Um, and then I, I would say start mixing, mixing those, having those in highballs. Again, ginger ale or soda work really well, but I remember trying my first whiskey and soda and not really enjoying it that much. So again, <laughs> it's nice maybe to have that other flavor there, ginger ale or, or even ginger beer, Talisker and ginger beer or Talisker and um, sparkling grapefruit. Oh yeah. Uh, something like Ting or, or, or one of the San Pellegrinos. It actually works very, very well. Um, so yeah, it's nice to, if you've got an aggressive whiskey and something that as Collins would say, an assault on the palate, um, you know, it's nice to maybe go with something a bit, bit heavier. Don't be afraid to use ginger beer or as we've seen, you know, Lagavulin 16 and Coca-Cola works incredibly well together because the flavors in both are, are very similar. If you, if you break it down, you know, chocolatey coffee, cherry notes are, are present in both. So it's kind of, you know, as, as, sacrilegious as it might seem to some people it's uh, it's it's there to be enjoyed however you want it to be yeah soft drinks have changed haven't they i think there's there's more focus on premium and uh it's not they don't seem to be as shunned as they used to be the soft drinks. no i think i mean fever tree kind of kick-started that for us mm. here in the uk and all the all these wonderful mixes they do now but everyone's kind of followed suit and you know they're, they're right with their with their messaging you know if, if two-thirds of your gin and tonic is tonic then it best be a good tonic right and uh, yep. i kind of like that and I, I think it's a really great message you know for a long time it was always the last thought when setting up a bar like what what soft drinks we're going to serve and you're like oh well i've put all this amazing effort into a good range of whiskey and rum and gins for my customers oh, let's just get you know coca-cola diet coke and mm -hmm. tonic you know doesn't matter cheap tonic like even the stuff off the gun like you know, <laughs> yeah. that and get those in. I, I, I don't have a problem with those, with those at all, but um, I think there's a real 
difference now and we've got more choice which is making people think more which is nice they've just shone a light on a on a category that was maybe not really ever in the forefront of people's minds but if you can now pick a a great soda to go with your house whiskey you know that i think that's i think that's a wonderful thing to have yeah for sure i agree i agree so let's go back to the middle cup um why did you decide the name of the middle cup <laughs> um <laughs> well so uh we um i'm gonna do a, an inadvertent shout out now but we originally named it still talking and ah. we'd come up with the name and thought yeah that's a great name and we got so pleased with ourselves <laughs> we were like yeah we've got it still talking and uh there's already a very big podcast out there called still talking oh okay um, which i had randomly checked um and you know it's funny how these thoughts creep up on you it's like when you leave the house and your brain reminds you that you've left your keys at home when you're already two miles from your house <laughs> like, why why didn't you tell me when i was leaving um but the uh the still talking is a podcast that's already out there which covers all things um you know obviously that come out of a still all our spirits um so we had to change the name last minute and we were like uh middle cuts which is you know that that kind of center point of whiskey um you have your your heads hearts and tails uh that that middle cut is is kind of we were we were looking at you know, getting into the middle of the whiskey, looking at the people and the conversation and not really concerning ourselves with the, you know, the top and bottom of it kind of thing. Just a bit like, it was more of a tongue-in-cheek joke. You know, we want to get into the middle of what makes whiskey special and it's the, the yeah. people and the stories, really. I like we it, still, it's great. Yeah, we still cover the tasting notes, obviously. And there's a cocktail at the end of each session that's fairly easy to make at home um, from myself. You know, Colin will take you through the stories and the and the dram because he knows it much better than I do, I would say. Um, and then I'll, I'll, do, I'll do the mixed drink at the end. But I just kind of, my job is to push Colin along and make sure he doesn't, <laughs> he loves talking. So he does. I just <laughs> along too much. <laughs> That's what you want from a podcast host, right? <laughs> Someone who keeps talking. Podcast host. Um, he, he likes to run away with a, with an, with an idea and mm. um, topic of conversation, which is what makes him so great to listen to and, and listen to his stories. He's got a really great way of explaining things, but he does like to, he does tend to drift off sometimes <laughs> and wander, wander into some unknown realm. So you're the um, shepherd along the way. Yeah, I'm the shepherd along the way. Not that he's a sheep by any means. <laughs> no. no, sorry, Colin, I didn't mean that. <laughs> well, uh, can you give us any exclusives? What have we got coming up for the next couple of episodes? Um, so we have, our, we've, we've just finished, so we've, we've done what, what's been released for everyone to listen to so far is we started, um, with Kalila. We went to, then went to Talisker, another island whiskey on the Isle of Skye. We've just finished recording, um, Blair Athol and, um, which is a very important whiskey in, in some of our blends. Hmm. Um, and a distillery again that probably doesn't get as much attention as it should uh, and then we did oh I'm getting lost now I can't remember but we've, we've got Cardu coming up um, we've got Cardu coming up and we've got one of the Johnny Walker Master Blenders um, chatting to us which is going to be really good Cardu's a, a amazing distillery and, and at the moment the home of Johnny Walker 
because it was the first distillery Johnny Walker ever purchased, um, lock, stock and barrel. Um, so it's quite important for the Johnny Walker story and it is a, a great Speyside whiskey anyway. Um, so we've got one of the master blenders on to talk about blending whiskey and why Cardu's so important for that. Brilliant. And, um, and then we, we stay in Speyside and we are getting our first kind of bar owner slash bartender um, slash all round good guy on. I can't tell you who yet because I oh, we okay. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll be covering um, as an exclusive for you. We'll be covering Crag uh, and <laughs> so Crag and Moore will be coming after Cardu and Crag and Moore is one of those beautiful distilleries that creates such a great um, standard twelve year old single malt. But the distillers edition they do is one of the one of the greatest whiskies I've I've tried. It's such a beautiful dram. Mm. Um, yeah, Cragamore is is next, and it's it's a it, one of the distilleries that has some great stories around it. Okay, sure. great. Well, can't wait to listen. And uh, uh, these will all be in the show notes for people to link to. But we can listen to you on major podcast providers, I guess. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So iTunes, Spotify, and I believe the link is actually on your Instagram, right? Yeah, the links on the Instagram. Um, and uh, we, we kind of post it post out. We need to post some of the cocktails that we're doing at each session, but it's a working progress at the moment. And I'm sure, as you know, we're, we're kind of learning new things each, each episode and yeah. getting better each episode uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I, I mean, I hope my audience agrees that my, my episodes are getting better from, from episode one to now. <laughs> I've definitely learned a lot. But yeah, Ali... We're going to wrap up very soon, um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a real pleasure. It's nice to talk to you. Great. And just as a final question, what do you see maybe happening in the whiskey world in the next couple of years? Is there anything big we should look out for or anything you predict? Um, that's, that's the toughest question. And it's one we always try to answer at, at work and, you know, what's next for Scotch. Um, mm. I think more flavor led, um, more, a more flavor-led approach to, to whiskey and highballs, I think, and, and relaxing this conversation around drinking whiskey neat will, will certainly become more popular. I don't think it will go away entirely, obviously, um, by any stretch of the imagination, but I think what, seeing people enjoy scotch cocktails will become bigger and bigger, um, for sure. Brilliant. Ali, thank you so much, man. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much, Ali, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, we still have one more show to come this week, which is actually going to be me and Shana from Talk Tales podcast, which was meant to be last Friday. However, technical issues led it to be a little bit delayed. But I think you're going to like the show because you're going to hear all about my story. So yeah, stay safe, guys, and I'll talk to you all soon.